Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and as always, I am joined by Matt Harmon on Sunday evenings to help me recap the NFL games from the Christmas weekend. And we're going to preview the Monday night matchup as well. Matt, there are like a ton of terrible, terrible game syncing fantasy performances for us to talk about, but also some like really unexpected gems that could have carried managers teams to a playoff victory, advancing them into the championship round. What was, um, what was your favorite thing and how are your teams doing? Everybody loves to hear about other people's fantasy teams. So let's talk about ours. Right. Yeah. Um, I talked about this team at the top of, uh, of FFL about, you know, like, man, I can't play Mike Williams. He's on the COVID list. I think that's going to end up sinking me because, you know, I got to play Kadarius Tony or whatever. Like that was a tough scene, but the one guy who was kind of the potential it we'll see. I could still win. It depends on how, uh, this Sunday night game goes, but um, not looking great right now. But the guy who was the unexpected hero on that team uh, was Sony Michelle. And I, I can't, it was very surprising how many like this guy or this guy questions, questions yeah. I got all morning, whether it was Twitter, discord uh, on FFL, whatever that included Sony Michelle. And I just kept saying like, man, you know, even like Saturday on Christmas, I'm answering questions about like, Hey, should I play Alan Lazard or Sony Michelle? And like, it worked out if you did play Alan Lazard, obviously, but Man, I don't know. I felt coming into this week that Sony Michelle had established himself as, like, the, at worst, the 1A of that backfield. And obviously, Daryl Henderson got hurt in this game later on. But even from the from the jump, it was the Sony Michelle show. You know, he had all five of the running back touches on the first drive, punched in a goal line touchdown uh, as well. He was he was the guy from, from the word go. I don't know whether it was the Cam Akers news that he was activated off IR, even if, like, he wasn't going to play in, in this game. Maybe that still spooked people a little bit. It's just maybe just Daryl Henderson, you know, they're still living off what was happening early in the season. But yeah, I think Sony Michelle has given this, um, given this team a lot. We'll probably talk about him later on, but yeah, I think he was definitely an unexpected uh, hero that I think, you know, has been a crucial kind of reminder of why we got to stash these I, I know I I say it all the time but just continue to stash these backup running backs man because you can be starting Justin Jackson Sony Michelle Ronald Jones to, to win your fantasy championship well you made a good point and you've been on Sony Michelle for a while talking about how his style of his running style frankly um gives the rest of the offense, the rhythm that, you know, it definitely requires. And we've all noted how Sean McVay isn't afraid to turn away from 
Daryl Henderson in particular, um, down the stretch. (laughs) So so I think that, you know, that at all, I I also just think like people are doubting themselves and getting into their heads because the stakes are really, really high. You know, like I I think in answering a lot of questions, when I heard people say like, should I start this guy or this guy? And I was like, well, who do you want to start? Because like, that's pretty much who you should start. You shouldn't have me sway you or talk you out of something because that's always when you end up biting yourself. Um, I will say that both of my teams that made it to the semis, both 14 teamers, are advancing to the championship round, which feels pretty good. I did get lucky because my opponent in one of them, a super flex league, uh, lost Lamar, Tyler Huntley, and Dalvin Cook Mm. this week. And I managed to scoop Justin Jackson off of waivers early like really early because of Eckler's edge, right? And then I also had Damian Harris and Mark Andrews. So we'll see if I can pull off another miracle in week 17, but that felt good. And then uh, my Dynasty League is one that I have built. I was like in last place last year and just started selling things off for more picks. And with those picks have wheeled and dealed my way to um, the Super Bowl. So that, that feels pretty good. But enough about our teams. Let's talk about the NFL teams that just played. And let's start with a little bit of injury news. James Robinson, who was a very popular DFS play in week 16, was carted off the field with a torn Achilles. Bummer. Instead, it was Dari Agumboale, who took over for him, carrying the ball 17 times for a, I mean, listen to this number, 57 rushing yards. How efficient. (laughs) Uh, But he did manage a touchdown, his longest run, nine yards, um, even against this Jets defense yeah just a bummer for james robinson i mean you know obviously feel for the guy i just mentioned cam Akers activated off ir uh after tearing his achilles in the preseason but that has mostly been uh you know kind of speculated that they're doing him a solid towards pushing a year towards his pension basically by activating him off ir for these three games here that he'll get towards the pension so i don't know that we could i mean it's just like Dante Foreman might be the biggest like bounce back candidate off of a off an Achilles injury that we've seen at running back. I mean, there are not many others out there. And like Dante Foreman is a guy who, you know, is, is hanging on to the end of the Titans roster. Obviously, he's had some moments here at the uh, at the end of the season. But still, it's just a, it's just not a great injury for a running back to get. We haven't seen a lot of guys come back at anywhere near 100 percent. And, you know, Robinson's a guy who's like barely made a million dollars in his career so far playing for, um, you know, I obviously played this whole year with under a coaching staff that was or one particular coach, not a coaching staff, but one particular coach who wanted to do everything he could to replace him despite the fact he's like best player on the team. So total bummer for Robinson, um, obviously. Dare gets the touchdown against the Jets. That's that's what you, that's what's going to happen when you play the Jets. The uh, Bucks get the Jets next week, so Ronald Jones should be in a good spot there. Ooh, we'll talk more about um, the Braxton Berrios-led Jets and the matchup against the Jaguars oh, a little bit later, but we're going to breeze through that. In fact, let's get to like the big super fantasy relevant matchups, and let's start with the Packers. And the Browns, who played on Christmas Day, it was a close game. You know what I've noticed in close games? Because the Packers did this the week before against Baltimore as well. The tendency is to lean on Aaron Jones, right? If there's more of a discrepancy, then A.J. Dillon gets a bit more run. But Aaron Jones um, was the leader in terms of totes with 17, A.J. Dillon 14. Um, 
I think that that's something to be mindful of moving forward, especially in a game, you know, that has huge ramifications in week 17. It, they'll be matched up against the Vikings. We saw the Vikings kind of collapse today. Um, so you have to imagine well, that AJ Dillon is going to. Well, I just think AJ Dillon will probably find the find the end zone next week. So I'm not, you know, freaked out by this if I've managed to avan- advance as a Dillon rosterer. No, I think that's totally fair. Uh, That's kind of the way these guys will go is like they can use Aaron Jones as the get up back. And then uh, once they're up, they use they use A.J. Dillon there. I mean, I was surprised watching this game that it was I mean, I was very, very busy on Christmas. I did wait. I know when you bite off more than you can chew when it comes to cooking. That was me yesterday on. I was very, very busy. No, actually, I know. I just I just chew on. (laughs) I just chew other people's cooking. I don't make I don't bite at anything other than what is being served to me. After you go from like brunch all the way till dinner doing like Mm-mm. 90% of, of the cooking, um, not the baking that was not done by me. That was, that was, um, that was my better half doing all, all of the baking work. But by the end of it, it's like, I don't even want to eat this stuff anymore. Just it's like, <laughs> let me get out of it. Let me just ready to go like sit down. Anyways, point being here, I was like, as I kept checking on this game, I was like, man, I can't believe this, this got as close as it did. Cause you know, every time I'm looking up, it's like Baker Mayfield throwing four picks, taking five sacks. It's, it's just not, not a great offensive showing, but Nick Chubb is awesome. That's a huge force in this. And um, I do think the Browns, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones has seemingly had some really bad moments um, in Island games, nationally televised games, stuff like that. He's made some big plays at times this year, but this was another moment where it's like just a few passes uh, going through his hands here. I think the Browns got to do something to upgrade at wide receiver, but it just, I, I don't know how much longer this whole Baker Mayfield Browns thing is going to last. No, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, you mentioned Nick Chubb, obviously over 120 yards um, last week or the week before he went for over 80, I believe. I think he's going to flirt with around 100 total yards at Pittsburgh. It is worth noting, and I know we're going to get questions about it again because everyone's up in their head for good reason. The last time the Steelers played Pittsburgh, the Steelers were able to hold Chubb to under 70 total yards. But obviously the team that the Browns faced in week eight is very different. Very different than the team is now. So I think Chubb is probably good for a hundred and a, and a tub in week 17. All right. We seem in agreement then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All Same right. goes for me double. Same <laughs> goes for me double. <laughs> Let's move on to the Colts and the Cardinals. That late season Arizona collapse seems to be in full effect. Oof. Well, the Colts have been feeling themselves. You know, it was even mentioned on the broadcast. So like, well, I think the Colts, we just don't want to fully trust in the Colts. Because honestly, we don't fully trust Carson Wentz. But a little yes. in there are moments that he just starts wincing. And you're like, oh, there's a pick. I, okay. But, you know, the experience, the confidence seems to be breeding momentum. And all of that is building upon itself for Indianapolis. I really like this Colts team. I think they're fun to watch. Obviously, it's from a non-Colts fan perspective. And like, you know, if I'm just watching the games with, you know, the the possibilities of what could happen. Like the fact that Wentz is is kind of the the captain of this ship does. Um, I don't even know if he's he maybe he's maybe the first mate. You know, I don't think he's a high ranking officer. Captain, the, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, just the fact that like Wentz is involved in this whole thing almost kind of makes them more intriguing because it's like, man, they can really be uh, on their stuff. They can be playing extremely well. And then, like you said, a Wentz moment could pop up and just throw this whole thing haywire and it can make for a really interesting game but 
you know, they're young, they're young star players. As you mentioned, this wasn't like the biggest Jonathan Taylor game, but 27 carries just sustaining the offense. Michael Pittman shows up for 12 targets, 82 yards. Um, and this defense flies around, you know, they made life uh, pretty uncomfortable for Kyler at times. And I just think, like I said, I, I think the Colts are even, even without Quentin Nelson, even without Ryan Kelly, like some of these, this Colts team just knows who they are. They lean on their identity. And I, and I really think that they can, I, I think they're going to be an interesting team in the postseason. I, I Maybe they're a year away. I just don't know what the whole Wentz thing, but they're a very fascinating team. And then on the Arizona side, this is one of those box scores where the first thing you see is, oh, Chase Edmonds, 24 touches, a ton of work as a receiver, gets a rushing touchdown as well. But like the rest of the story is just not great for Arizona right now. I mean, that seven and zero start is ancient history. Um, great, to, it is great to see Chase Edmonds pop up in a big game without uh, James Conner because you know I've said all year that the inverse was going to be true. Like if we ever got James Conner without Chase Edmonds, it was going to be you know fire. But and that was what happened. But I was less convinced of the other way. But it did happen here for Chase Edmonds. So so that was great to see for him. But yeah, I mean Arizona, it's just they're in trouble right now. I I, I mean I. Can't can't feel great can't feel great about uh about Arizona, but Kyler at least like from a rushing perspective, seventy four yards he did get you there. Yeah, it's going to be tough to project next week too. We'll see what obviously happens in this Washington Cowboys game, but assuming Dallas's defense stays healthy, uh, they have a top five ranked unit, and Kyler's going to have to. He just looks so off, you know, and and that matchup yeah, is yeah. not particularly good. Um, I don't know if he's not fully healthy from the ankle, although he certainly looked fine against Chicago, but that's Chicago, yeah. you know. Um, and I do want to say, uh, just for the record, no interceptions for Carson Wentz. It was a Christmas miracle Yay. in that particular game. All right. Uh, the Texans stunned the Chargers 41-29. to Austin has actually talked about this when he's talking about his team on a couple of episodes of Eckler's Edge, and that's that this team definitely responds to failure, but has a hard time keeping the momentum of success behind them, that they they almost don't feel comfortable in success. And I don't know if it's the like ghost of the Chargers brand that is like lingering a little bit. Maybe they need that sage that we occasionally talk about to just clear it out. Or, you know, I, I just don't feel like when Justin Jackson goes off for as much as he did, you can say missing Austin Eckler. Even the O-line situations, I mean, Quesenberry was able to step up enough, so I don't feel like that was the excuse here. I think they just, you know, maybe uh, underestimated the competition. Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Also, they've got, you know, COVID issues on defense, too, with Joey Bosa out for this game, um, you know. And they still just they let Rex Burkhead in the year 2021. We should have <laughs> seen this here. coming, Matt. 149 and two tub. We should have seen this coming with the matchup. The minute David Johnson, this is like sometimes where I feel like the again the ghosts of fantasy past kind of get into your head. The minute David Johnson wasn't available, the knee jerk should have been well at least Burkhead like inside the top 30, top 25. But I think we're all like yeah. reticent to do it because. Burke had for so long has just been like a pass catching option. He had that one big game with a lot of carries, but like that's not his skill set. So it just didn't translate for us. We should have been more flexible, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I had Burkhead like in the in the 30s at running back, but certainly guys that are liked way more than him. And he obviously way out. I would say more so, Liz, that we should have seen this coming when it's like, 
you know, in daily fantasy, everybody, there's so many value running backs. There's Justin Jackson, there's Ronald Jones or Alexander Madison. And for the most part, all these guys were, were fine, but it's like, well, yeah, of course, old Rex Burkhead's going to come in and outproduce all of them at an even bigger discount in some of those, uh, in some of those instances. So that's even more so, uh, just talk about the ghosts of fantasy, but yeah, I mean, also Davis Mills, shout out to Davis Mills. I don't, I still feel like this was not a great draft pick to take Davis Mills with their only pick there, but I mean, the the, for the first pick there for the Houston Texans this past year when they're they're probably gonna um, replace him at some point sooner or later. But man, I think the guy continues to keep the ship afloat. Nine point four yards per attempt, uh, twenty one twenty seven. You know, he, he even without Brandon Cooks played a pretty good game. Yeah, your boy Nico Collins managed to. De- did you win the prop that you had made on Collins? Oh, I didn't think I just liked him as a as a uh, potential sleeper. Um, what did he, I don't even know what he did in this game. I don't even know what he did. I think he scored. He scored a touchdown. Uh, and Brevin Jordan continues to be an option. It's not a pretty option, but, you know, he was used as a receiver in college at Miami and has worked his way up the depth chart. So he's um, certainly seeing looks, and he certainly would, will continue to see them. Uh, but we're going to assume that Cooks is going to be activated off of the COVID list by next week. Again, these are some I didn't, even, because- I, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even notice Nico Collins did score did score yeah. a touchdown because I saw Chris Conley score like a long one. I was like, oh, of course, bye. I'm not watching the Texans <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no. Um, and then let's move to the Bengals and the Ravens. Matt, oh, kudos boy. to you for starting Joe Burrow. In our Guru Fantasy Spoiler, Matt is going to win the Guru Challenge for FFL. I'm going to come in second place to Mr. Harmon. You were very... I stacked Stafford and Cooper Cup, just looking at the over-unders, thinking there'd be more scoring. I did roster T. Higgins, uh, but would have loved to have a Higgins-Burrow stack instead. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, I, I talked about this on the Daily Fantasy Show with Dalton this week, filling in for TJ, that... I was considering, you know, I didn't want to play Jamar Chase. Who Jamar Chase had a good game. He went over 125, 125 yards. But the biggest problem with Jamar Chase was he was still 28 bucks. Like that was the fourth highest salary. And like T Higgins was all the way down there at 22. And even more so, even more so is like, I told Dalton that I was considering just playing, like just play Joe Burrow. Don't even stack, you know, these guys. If you want the upside access to upside, like just play Burrow. And that's what I ended up doing. I probably, you know, Obviously, if you were playing like a big tournament, you probably had to have Joe Burrow and T. Higgins or Joe Burrow plus one of these other guys. But in our particular contest to just try to get the access to all the upside there, I didn't want to try to pick between these two guys. But the good news is that there was really no wrong answer. If you wanted to play Jamar Chase, Chase had a big game. If you wanted to play T. Higgins, T. Higgins had a monster game. 12 catches, 194 yards and two touchdowns. And even Tyler Boyd got loose uh, against this. Like, And I mean, it's one thing to look. The Ravens secondary is a total nightmare. They get another injury in this game. They have all these absences. It's just horrible there for Baltimore. I mean, it's like just just call it a call it a season. Enough already uh with with the with the Ravens. But for Burrow in this game, I mean, he came out slinging, throwing down the field. This was like it was one of those moments too where, you know, the, the Bengals have now swept the the Ravens and they've swept the Steelers this year great it's like the dawn of a new era type of thing in the afc north like or at least not like oh the the ravens are done the steelers obviously have questions but the ravens can be right back in the mix next year once they're healthier but the bengals i think have officially announced themselves as like we're kind of a force to be reckoned with in this in this afc north because they have just such good young talent but the thing i kept thinking watching this game is like bengals 
be this all the time. Okay. Like you're not going to put up 500 yards all the time, but just come out slinging the ball to, to T Higgins and, and Jamar chase and Tyler Boyd all the time, because Higgins is so good. Chase we know is extremely talented. Like this team can come up and play with anybody. I mean, they even got a long vertical touchdown, to Joe Mixon in this well, game. Like was everybody say, was involved. Some of that requires being willing to use Mixon as a receiver. And he is an efficient yes. pass catcher. He always has been an efficient pass catcher. I'm not saying like he's got lights out hands or anything, but he generally converts positively. He carried the ball 18 times for 65 rushing yards and a score in this one. And then he, you know, again, converted all six of his looks for 70 receiving. And uh, you mentioned that like 52 yard reception that he brought in uh, for another touchdown. And so I feel like there just has to be some variation and maybe not be so fearful of using Mixon, giving him a diverse number of touches that aren't just 30 on the ground. Yeah. I'm not ready to like write off Zach Taylor or anything, but there have been times, even part early this game when um, they get down in scoring position and they don't convert on third down and they kick a field goal. And it's like, man, just, just keep riding with these these guys in the passing game. Like they're they're getting it done. Um, just be aggressive, Zach Taylor. Uh, I think he's been a little too conservative at times. I'm not like willing to just give up on Zach Taylor. Of course, like this team's about to go to the playoffs. Like most likely, you know, th- this is good news for Bengals fans. The last thing you need to be worrying about right right in this moment is is Zach Taylor not a good coach. But and I'm not saying that he's not a good coach. But I can understand that when they have been. A little too conservative, both in their fourth down decision making and just their overall pass rate, at, strangely at times this year, because I think we've said on this podcast before, Liz, like Burrow is playing awesome this year. I think he is capable of being, and again, he's not going to put up these numbers against most NFL secondaries that aren't completely decimated like Baltimore. That's, that's not what we're saying, but they have the potential when they let these guys cook Burrow, Chase, Higgins, and you know even Tyler Boyd to a degree downfield Man, they can really put up points, I think, with anybody because these these guys are that good. And they're all so young. You know, these guys are all uh, in their second or first years. It's going to be really fun to watch them kind of grow and develop together. On the Baltimore side of things, we got to give a little some props to Josh Johnson here, who was the yeah. third string guy, right? He's thrown into uh, thrown onto the field basically at the very last minute, passed for over 300 yards trying to keep pace. With the Bengals, scored two touchdowns, was only sacked once, which I thought was pretty impressive given the amount of times that Lamar has taken a sack and held onto the ball. Uh, One pick, and I mean, obviously Mark Andrews continues to have a giant day. I do think that maybe Mark Andrews, who I believe has like some level of diabetes, I'm not, there's like a spectrum of... uh, different types types of diabetes. Thank you. Um, I know he has one. I'm not quite sure which, but I have to feel like it surprises me after looking at his tape too in college. Like he made regular one-handed acrobatic catches as a collegiate tight end. And I think he fell in the draft because there was some worry about those medicals, about the diabetes situation. And he is obviously well past it by now, continues to be a stud. Um, Rashad Bateman finds the end zone I am a little bit concerned, though, about Marquise Brown. And so I will, as someone who I know is a big fan of his and has studied his through reception perception, ask you for your take on Brown, who just really seems to struggle in efficiency. Yeah, I mean, I still think that Brown is he's had he had some awesome moments this year when Lamar was like throwing the ball downfield and, you know, he was ripping up zone coverage. I think he's a 
good player, but he's a volatile player. There's, there's like no doubt about that. I think there's volatility to his game. And frankly, like with Mark Andrews coming on as hot as he has towards the, in the back half of this season, it's just given them a different dimension for as the quarterback room has churned too. Cause I mean like Josh Johnson. Yeah. All we were really asking for you buddy is to go in there and keep Mark Andrews afloat. You did that and more. So shout out to you. Um, and then Rashad Bateman, I just think at some point will be the better player than, than Marquise Brown. You know, he, he plays 80 plus percent of the snaps today. He gets that early touchdown. Um, I would just like to continue to see more of Rashad Bateman, but yeah, I think Marquise Brown's a pretty good player. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a fan of him as like a, a complimentary piece like a, a like people talked about him last year as if he was just going to be like a total flame out like a bust uh but pretty good player uh, i think as he's gone on you know throughout the course of this season it's just kind of living on that hyper efficiency that he was living on early in the year was probably always going to be unsustainable the bills were able to get the best of the patriots in their rematch this year 33 to 21 um these teams have the number one and number two point differential in the league josh allen passing for over 300 yards three touchdowns 64 rushing yards zero sacks and zero turnovers he definitely came into this game focused and ready to uh change the fates of what happened a couple of weeks prior amazing what can happen when the game's not in a windstorm i mean sure (laughs) I just, I've, I, this, 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 this whole thing is like kind of just stuck in my craw for the last, uh, however long it's been since that game happened. Cause I swear to God, I remember, you know, being, you know, looking on Twitter when, when all the clips are coming through of like the wind and this, the wind and all this stuff, you know, seeing all these crazy wind pictures from Buffalo. And then, you know, we all kind of, I feel like people keep saying, okay, the, we're, we really can't like, draw any conclusions from this game because it's just these conditions are insane and then the game happens and of course as the media cycle must churn there's all these grand conclusions out of this game it's like well let's see what these two teams actually look like when they play um you know in a a real situation not like i mean that game was wild but it was also that game was also at orchard park the bills are used to playing outside like but uh, that was pretty extreme well, the Patriots, came, he threw the ball three times. Like, wh- why Why not? It, what I think What I think the note should have been about that game is that, like, backfields matter and having efficiency yes. in your running game is a potential league winner and can't just you can't just thrive on the pass in every single game, especially in flipping totally December. True. So <laughs> I think that was what needed to be exposed. You know, also, you do need a quarterback who's willing to put the ball in the air and maybe has capable receivers. I mean, Kendrick Bourne just off the COVID list. Uh, no Nelson Aguilar. Also, I can't believe that I'm saying like, oh, that's a loss for this team. No Nelson Aguilar. Jacoby Myers is like dust. Hunter Henry can't even do oh, what he does every week and find the end zone. Nikhil Harry, who sucks to begin with dealing with a hip injury. Like, of course, Mac <laughs> Jones didn't do anything here. Of course, Damian Harris. Why are we surprised? Yes, Damian Harris rushes for three touchdowns and over 100 yards. It's like if we could take the Bills passing game and the Patriots rushing game, we'd have a we'd have a super Super Bowl super bound team. team, I think. You yeah, just have, have a super, super team. team. But... That would be it. Yeah. Height of its powers um, team. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't lead off the Patriots like receiver with like they gotta play Nikhil Harry at X receiver, you know, and like that and not have him just, you know, block, which is unbelievable. It might be time for Nikhil Harry to think about like adding ten pounds and, and moving a tight end. I think like we're at that point, although he's got no ball skills apparently, so I don't know. I don't know what to do about this whole Nikhil Harry thing, but I never never was really that big a fan of his to begin with. But anyways, point is here. 
I think that I agree with you completely about the fact that the Bills, it would be great if they had um, a system. I think they need to, to consider that in the offseason, like build a sustaining running game. I mean, Devin Singletary for your fantasy teams, he does lead the backfield with 12 carries. He scores the touchdown, also caught five passes uh, in the first half, five passes for 39 yards. So that was great. I think they have really narrowed their focus to Singletary, which is good for fantasy for the most part. I mean, Zach Moss was was actually active and involved in this game. Reggie Gilliam caught a pass in this game as well. But still, this has mostly been a Singletary-focused team for a while, which I think is probably for the best. We just know that running backs are better when they're in a rhythm anyways. And even if he didn't crush it today, I think that's good news. But point is here though like Josh Allen is the type of player you know and Stefan Diggs is the type of receiver that when they get hot they can do this to a good team um and even today the biggest story was obviously no Gabe Davis no Cole Beasley and then Isaiah McKenzie you know does a Cole Beasley impression for like 11 tar 11 catches out of the slot on 12 targets so and I think McKenzie's like he's got some juice too he's been a kickoff returner he's had some moments on offense as well so that was a really nice fill-in for them but you know, even down two of his top three receivers, Josh Allen is the type of guy that can take over a game, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and 64, yard, 64 yards on the ground. Um, I just think, like, there were too many panic pieces about the Bills. They're clearly not a perfect team. They're not a fl- they're a flawed team because we would love for them to be able to run the ball. Um, but they are still a very, very good team. And I think, um, as are the Patriots, they're a very good team as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, just it's always comes down to the quarterback play here. And I think Allen really is an, is an, is a field tilter there. I think one is a meticulous team and the other is a talented team. And that some, checks out. you know, and I think that that's like the, the exacting nature of the Patriots is what allows them to keep winning. Um, and it's the, the D gap that Josh Allen ha- has between his legs and his really strong arm is what, you know, gets pieces written about. Um, so I think it inspires more and more content. It's also worth noting that obviously without Gabe Davis in the lineup, um, Dawson Knox continued to be the red zone threat. Not a whole lot of volume. I think only three targets caught two of them, found the end zone, but he's always or usually good for six. The Rams took on the Vikings. They won by seven. Stafford kind of, again, I said at the top of the show, I was expecting this game to be uh, more high scoring than it was. Um, Stafford, 21 of 37 for just under 200 passing yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, and that touchdown was gorgeous. It went to OBJ, who was a little bit shaken up earlier in the first half, I believe, of the game, but did come back. Um, Again, not really efficient. Only caught 50% of his looks, but he was the one who found the end zone. Yeah, this game did go over the total, but it needed a punt return touchdown uh, from Brandon Powell to do it. Stafford, Stafford said this after the game. He's like, yeah, I really tried to make it more interesting than it needed to be. Uh, and yes, this was very true. Uh, he had one turnover, especially that was just, you know, mind melting. And uh, he did it in his own red zone, you know, it, it, like way too close to his own end zone for comfort there. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, I think obviously Sony Michelle coming out of this is like a guy that we're playing every single week, 27 carries, you know, Daryl Henderson gets banged up as well. I think Sony Michelle is obviously going to be everybody hates to it's like, Oh, we can't say the word league winner anymore. But yeah, I think Sony Michelle is going to be a league winner for folks out there um, for sure. And I, I agree. The passing game was just a little bit off today. You know, Beckham, they, they missed on one. There was one deep route where Beckham clearly got open and just put it outside of his, his, his reach. So 
you know, I think the, the Vikings had a pretty good defensive game plan coming into this one, but just eventually the dam broke, especially their run defense, which has been problematic all year. And then on the Vikings side of this too. Oh my God. I mean, this like the first half was a total waste, you know, um, friggin' Justin Jefferson ends with 116 yards. It took him till the second half to get there. Cause I think he was sitting at 14. I had the, I, I took the over and on FFL on uh, 82 and a half. And I was pretty, I was definitely sweating it after 14 yards in the first half. Um, Alexander Madison is fine in replacement of, uh, Dalvin cook. And then obviously Adam Thielen tweaked his ankle at one yeah. point. He was pretty pissed about that one. Well, yeah, so monitor those practice reports because you'll wonder if it's a setback and to what degree um, K.J. Osborne finds the end zone in the stead, obviously, of Thielen. And you're right, Madison saves his fantasy day with one touchdown. It is worth noting, Dalvin Cook, who entered, uh, I be- it was reported that he pulled a positive COVID test on December 23rd. He's not vaccinated. Yep. That's a 10-day quarantine period for unvaccinated players. So... There's a a better than good chance chance. that he won't be available in week 17, which means Madison would be up again. Yep. All right. Now let's just let's lightning round this a little bit. Chiefs at Steelers, pretty much a blow. Not pretty much, well, definitely a blow. There's a a long period of time. Every time I kept looking at this game, in fact, I pretty much shut it off because I thought that the Chiefs were going to completely shut out the Steelers, um, which I was sweating because I had um, the kicker, uh, Boswell. And, and that wasn't oh. making me feel too good. But even without Travis Kelsey in the mat, in the game, um, the Chiefs still took to the air. That's eight wins in a row for the Chiefs, who are now sitting at 11 and four and the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, all of the um, Chiefs panic aged very poorly, obviously. Yeah. It's like, well, they're just the, just the team that they were always going to be. No Travis Kelsey didn't really matter. CH, we talked about him a lot this yeah. week, Liz. Thank God he got that touchdown out of the way early because unfortunately left with the collarbone injury. Looks like uh looks like Daryl Daryl Williams right back up. You know, right back up as a as a potential RB1 in fantasy every single week now, especially now that this team is cooking. Props to to Dalton, who on last week's preview show suggested that Byron Pringle would be a sleeper uh, because of the COVID situations. And in fact, Pringle found the end zone twice, which I think like definitely outkicked any projection Dalton had for him. Yeah, no, I mean, Pringle has stepped up too. uh, just in general. He's been kind of the number two receiver with McCole Hardman being marginalized. Deontay Johnson, he flirts with double-digit targets every single week. It was nine this week, caught six for 51 in a touchdown. You're definitely starting him. Nice bounce back from last week. Um, and yeah, it took, took until the very end, though. It took until the very end for him to get that touchdown. He had that weird, like, fumble. like a, <laughs> Very few non-contact fumbles in the NFL, but Deontay Johnson managed one <laughs> in this game. Well, I feel like, too, Chase Claypool only um, only shows up when it's impossible. And, like, the easy stuff never seems to come to him. Well, I mean, Chase Claypool's had quite a year, quite an interesting year there. Um, they just throw Chase Claypool these like prayer balls and just hope he hope he comes down with it. They don't like trust him or want to use him to do anything else. Or that's like all Ben's capable of <laughs> comes in 40, 41 receiving yards on six targets. Uh, that was under his 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 prop total. I just got I'm I'm ready. I'm just ready for a new version of the Steelers offense. You know, Tony Romo was talking about Big Ben being reflective whilst talking to him uh, in, in this game or coming into this game. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to see something new with the Steelers, but hopefully it looks better than this. 
Well, I have a feeling that the offense is going to continue to run through their first round running back, Najee Harris, who touched the ball 24 times for over 100 yards this week. You're still going to play him next week. Uh, the Falcons and the Lions, the Tim Boyle experience, man, 24 of 34 for 187 Passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. This one better for the Lions than I was anticipating. Props to everyone who hyped up Amon Ross St. Brown. He finds the end zone, clears 90 yards, um, and you have to feel pretty good about it. I liked Josh Reynolds in this matchup a little bit more. Um, he was heavily targeted, but I wonder if that thigh injury was bothering him. And obviously, uh, the downgrade from Goff, who'd been on a bit of a tear to boil, I think hurt his um, hurt his stat line. Yeah, St. Brown looks great. I think if you didn't start him because you were worried about Tim Boyle, I think you can live comfortably with that decision. Obviously, though, he ends up going you know, off here for nine catches and 91 yards and a touchdown. I think he's a really interesting dynasty player to to think about is Amon Ross St. Brown because they have used him as their, you know, like an every down receiver. Uh, but obviously, during this big breakout, he is – you know, he's not playing with TJ Hawkinson. He's not playing with DeAndre Swift. We think That's the it. Lions will add target competition. I just wonder what this team looks like next year. And if if this target total that St. Brown is getting is un, unsustainable. But, man, I mean, this is, he looks great out there. He looks like a legit, really good pick for them in the fourth round. I'm a fan. I think Swift's absence uh, has certainly helped his volume. But also, there's always the question of, like, can you put that genie back in the bottle? And we know what Goff can do with a slot receiver. And even though St. Brown probably has a skill set beyond that, it's still, I still think you're right. He is someone to monitor in the off season. Um, Kyle Pitts, six to six for over a hundred yards. He was the target leader and poor Daryl Patterson, not much in terms of volume, but he saved his day with a score. Yeah, they use, I mean, Cordero Patterson has been used differently um, you know, these the last bye. two weeks. Yeah, he's been yeah. like the base back, which is not ideal. We we kind of wanted him to be used more as a pass catcher here. Um, just one catch, as you mentioned. Gets in the box, though, gets the touchdown, uh, which is great to see if you start him in fantasy. But yeah, Kyle Pitts continues to get a bunch of yards and not score touchdowns. We talked about um, James Robinson at the top of the show, but I did want to touch on Michael Carter since we did discuss him on FFL. Um, he does go over 118 yards. Obviously, the matchup pretty soft despite, you know, you you look at this matchup too and you're sort of like, oh, with the Jets, the default, the default analysis is always like, well, game script isn't going to work that well. But then you realize they're playing the Jets and so it's pretty evenly matched and game script, that whole um, argument can be thrown out. Plus, Carter has previously been active in the passing game. It was interesting that he only carried the ball two more times than Tevin Coleman, but obviously he's so much more Better. explosive. My God, he ripped off that like 38 or 40-yard run, um, clears, like I said, 100 rushing yards. So, I, I mean, I feel like given the depth, I just don't know, and his activity – in the passing game, his ability as a receiver, which he showed in college, and how banged up the receiving core is in New York. Like, I don't know how you can't consider him like a top 25-ish play every week. Yeah, no, I think Michael Carter is good. Uh, the one question we just have from him from a long-term perspective is, is he going to catch like passes like he did with other guys as he is with Zach Wilson? Um, not so much in this game, two catches for six yards. But didn't need to. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't really need to. He's explosive. Uh, I, I hope they continue to get him involved. Uh, the Eagles. Wow, I started the Eagles uh, as a spot start defense over the Giants. Um, 
you know, even though Jake, Jake Fromm looked better than Mike Glennon uh, in limited action last week, uh, that all fell apart this week. I mean, the whole quarterback experience in New York is uh, is pretty disastrous. I don't like no no one is dealing with no one's messing around with this and experimenting with the uh, who on the Giants, by the way, like Evan Ingram, I thought because of the matchup against the Eagles who cannot cover the tight end, they're allowing the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends could be pretty a, a pretty like decent dart throw, but you're praying and he did find the end zone. But like otherwise, gross. Gross is correct. I mean, if you can avoid starting a Giants player the rest of the way, <laughs> there's a you probably don't have any Giants players. That's probably why you're playing this late in the fantasy season. But yeah, I mean, Giants just forget about it. Um, I got forced into playing Kadarius Tony because the Mike Williams thing, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and I hated every single second of it. I hated every single second. It's so of it, tough yeah. though because like you're seeing Galladay draw eight targets. You're seeing Tony even coming back from like COVID and a weeks long injury situation drawing nine, nine targets, but the quarterback play is just so bad that the efficiency so bad, yeah. is equally bad. Um, on the Eagle side of things, let's talk about Miles Sanders first. I mean, fine. Jalen hurts passes for two scores and almost 200 yards. Uh, he sacked once he doesn't turn the ball over, but I think Sanders is kind of the, the bigger conversation. We had a ton of, yeah, talk about him and questions about him heading into this. He gets banged up. And then Jordan Howard, who was the early downs option after Sanders exits, he hurts, I believe, his hand. And so it's Boston Scott who finds the end zone. The whole thing is just like a Michigas of meh. Goofball RB after goofball RB is going to be like in every fantasy lineup at this next week at this point. I mean, Boston Scott, yeah, he could end up being a guy that people start over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's, it's, cra it's crazy. I mean, Miles Sanders just... He had a couple of good games, obviously runs into the hand injury. I do think that Patrick Graham, the Giants defensive coordinator, has a pretty good plan against this like new look Eagles offense. It hurts his two worst games since they kind of changed things up uh, in this, you know, in terms of being more of a run focused team than a, a pass focused team, like as they weirdly were early in the year. Hurts' two worst games have been against these Giants. That's a fair point. Um, Tom Brady was certainly angry after last week's loss, but he didn't go ham. Um, although the narratives about Antonio Brown being the receiving leader certainly panned out. He caught 10 balls for 101 yards. Um, I think the story here for Tampa Bay isn't so much the passing game, though. Thanks for making me look bad, Tyler Johnson. It is instead <laughs> Ronald Jones who carries the ball 20 times for a sexy 65 yards, but at least finds the end zone. Catches two passes too. Big W. Uh, like you Phew. mentioned, Ronald, Ronald Jones might not be a trusted passing game asset, but he did catch more passes than Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn rips off that 55 yard touchdown in the first quarter. And, you know, we all talked about this, I feel like early on on FFL is like, we're all excited about R Ronald Jones. What could go wrong? And then as soon as Keyshawn Vaughn rips off a long touchdown, you're first, like, yeah. oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, it's not going to happen. But Ronald Jones gets there. And like, yeah, again, he had 20 carries to seven for Vaughn. Uh, you're not worried at all about starting Ronald Jones against the Jets next week. Like he's, it's going to be great. That's, that's good stuff. And then the Panthers. I mean, Matt, wait, before you talk about the Panthers, can I, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter yet, but there was a quote oh, that Matt rule gave have post game. On Twitter. <laughs> I have, I have to read it for you and get your reaction for our listeners. Matt Rules, and this is uh, via Nick Carboni, who is the WFNZ Panthers pregame host. Great um, radio station. Very, very good guys there. Been on the been on several times. Good, good folks. 
Fantastic. So then you can vouch for the credibility of this quote. <laughs> Matt, Matt Rule then said, I believe it's 1000% working. I just know no one can see it. And I apologize. I, as I tell our team all the time, it took, wait for it, Jay-Z seven years. He had to start his own agency to become an overnight sensation. It takes time. Like that, that honestly, that was a, that was a, 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 a bad quote in its, in its stupidity because of like the, the, the comparison to Jay-Z and all that, that was, that was pretty dumb, but I thought he had a worse one and I, I, I can, and cause um, Nick posted these uh, like, yeah, that, that one was, that one was stupid. Like I said, that, that was, that was dumb. But the one that really got me was from, again, from Nick Carboni. Panthers coach Matt Rule, everyone sees the results. I get it. There's a process underneath, and everyone's looking and saying it's not working. It's not working. Dot, dot, dot. I believe that it is. Really? What would it look like if it wasn't work? If it wasn't working? If this is not, if this is working, what would it look like if it wasn't working? I mean, I, I've shout out to Cam Newton, who was like very professional and reflective after the game and you know he said like i don't agree with the whole two quarterback thing but they said that's what we were going to do and look it was my job to swallow like literally said small swallow my pride and get back out there and just do it i mean it's such it's liz you know i have a complicated relationship with the parent the panthers but it's just this is this is brutal this is it's a this is embarrassing the two quarterback thing is embarrassing i think the biggest problem is it to me reveals like a lack of honesty self-awareness, retrospective ability. Like you can't just like own a mistake. And, and even like, not just the quote, like to me, the quote is like, okay, I'm getting called on it. Do I choose to deflect and deny or do I just kind of face it head on and admit it was a mistake? But it, that is one thing. But also like you're seeing the result. Like the fact that you're going back to Sam Darnold clearly feels like a move bent out of fear because you fought for this guy and now you owe him money. And instead of just like cutting your losses and like swallowing your pride for a second, like Cam Newton did, it's this like doubling down that feels super, super scary, especially in a time yeah, when people are not facing facts. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. And uh, Cam Newton, you know, they, they bring him back because like, I guess part the, the suspicion is that they wanted to energize the fan base and blah, blah, blah. So of course, like sure. the second old Sam Darnold goes out there, the whole bank of America stadium erupts in booze They're They all boo. And you know, poor Sam Darnold, I, he, st he stinks, but I feel bad for him that like, why even bother throwing him out there? Like you brought cam back. Cause the fans for the most part love cam Newton. And now like, you're going to throw Sam Darn out there. This is, it's embarrassing. I and mean, it really is, you know, every, all these quarterbacks have all said, yeah, we don't really like to rotate. Matt rule keeps rotating them for no real reason. I mean, it's just, it's really bad. I, I don't, I don't know. Trying to, is he trying to find something? Is it experimental? But like you brought cam Newton in and said, the reason you brought cam Newton in was because losing sucks and it's no fun. Right. Yeah. So well, cam Newton, by the way, against fun. the bucks, he rips off a 33 yard run and he goes for over 42 yards on five carries. Like there is some yeah. juice there, even if it's not showing up in the in uh, the totally. record. Totally. And look, I mean, Cam is obviously cooked as a passer. Like he's just not the guy that he sure. was at, at any point. And I, it sounds like this is kind of the end of the road for him, which is good. I mean, he was a great player and I, I really loved watching Cam Newton. So that's that's great. This is this version of Cam Newton is like there's a little hurt to watching this version of Cam Newton. But I will just say it's just, it's just a shame. Like, I just think this is so, I just really think this is extremely embarrassing. And that to your point, like 
Is there? I tweeted this today. Is there one other person on planet Earth that thinks this two quarterback thing is a good idea other than Matt Rule? Like, is there one human being out there that's like, you know what? I totally see the logic here because I, I, I can't think of one logical. Even the guys doing it don't like it. Well, maybe the divisional, like the seeing the Saints try it out, and since they're in the same division, he feels triggered <laughs> by Sean Payton. Like, I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. A few people, I don't know. A few people, a few people mentioned like, oh, maybe Sean Pay-, like replied to that too. Like, oh, Sean Payton. I'm like, you know what? At least I know fantasy folks hate Sean Payton's usage of Taysom Hill, but at least like the way they use Taysom Hill does at least make some sense with what they do with the old Taysom Hill thing uh, with during the Drew Brees days. Uh, they also have Alvin Kamara and CMC is not available because you let him yeah. touch the ball 30 times a damn game and ruined him. But that's a, a whole, let's move. <laughs> I, and I did, you know, I don't like hate them or whatever, but I felt, I think I am more emotionally invested than I anticipated I would be because I had such high hopes at that, at the top of the season. I really thought that the defense in particular, you know, wouldn't be basically all on oxygen because the offense can't stay on the field and give them a break. It's it it is a complete S show. Um, but you know what? The Bears are regularly an S show, and that is a team that I have a complicated relationship with. Except Christmas weekend, they managed Ooh. to beat the Seahawks by one with Nick Foles, <laughs> Super Bowl champion Nick Foles under center. Dude, Liz, uh, you nailed like the Cole Komet analysis. You and Andy, Ugh. like just just two jaded Bears fans. Um, perfectly nailing exactly how that thing was going to go. You know, Cole Komet, who hasn't scored all year, misses his touchdown by just a little bit. Next, right, goes right back to Jimmy Graham. And I almost kind of hate, like, you know, you know, this is how you know you're getting old. It's like part of me is like, man, kids are going to not realize how good Jimmy Graham was. <laughs> like, because people who, like, people who just started watching football in the last three years are going to be like, this dust ball for the, for the Bears. Like, no, man. Back in my day, this guy was is, is a was a, a a superstar, like a like like the the thing to have in fantasy football. But yeah, I I can't. I don't really know how the Bears. Won. My my dad is here, and we were watching this game together, and like we both at one point were just like, hey, the Bears. We're not watching this game. We were we were watching Red Zone. Red but it's Zone. like just like oh, what Bears won this game? How how'd that happen? Yikes. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit wild. I will say that, you know, um, David Montgomery, that is a player like, okay, 45, 21 carries, 45 rushing yards. You think like, oh, that's not actually too good. He saves his day with a with a touchdown. But I think that David Montgomery and yes, he also uh, converts. He was, I believe, the target leader. Both he and uh, Mooney were target were tied for nine targets apiece. He converts seven of those for 61 through there. So he was more productive as a receiver than he was as a rusher. But if you watch that game, like, remember how people just, like, completely spit at the idea of David Montgomery being anything but, like, a one-dimensional ham and egger, no, no like, like pop to his game? I think he has really improved as a rusher, mm-hmm. like, evolved his skill set. And when you look at this game, it's, it's like, the usage and the efficiency for me was in this like with Nick Foles under center and no field stretchers he was just like I'm gonna carry I'm gonna do it I'm gonna carry this team and he did yeah I know I think he's underrated like just overall I think he's a a good back that uh be interesting to see what they do with him from like a contract perspective coming up yeah last week DJ Dallas found the end zone and Rashad Penny investors were real PO'd this week Penny goes off for 135 rushing yards and finds the end zone. He rips off a nice 32-yard run. Um, also, just 
not for nothing, Gerald Everett continues to be involved. He, yeah, this was a player that I liked a lot at the top of the season. He had some injury issues. I believe it was a concussion and then COVID and everything was kind of a mess. But over the last stretch here, Everett is becoming a pretty reliable, like low end tight end one every week. Yeah, I'm a jerk because I am. I have like my burnt takes with uh, Gerald Everett because the one week I streamed him was the week he was shaving points sure. against the 49ers. Uh, and, and basically I remember was that the game. reason yeah, was not the, re- was the reason I did not make the, I did not get do the, I didn't have enough to get to the playoffs in that one. Um, do you have any thoughts about Lockett or Metcalf finally finding the end zone after a week of Pete Carroll talking about how they're really trying to get him more involved? I mean, good it's good good to see something maybe that's enough to uh to appease the ego we shall see that's definitely going to be an off-season story and i'm sure that we will deliver lots of takes on it as uh the winter moves into the spring summer and fall again raiders at broncos super gross drew lock experience 15 to 22 for 153 that's a ypa of 7.0 so not horrible um javante williams seven carries 12 yards and a touchdown melvin gordon seven carries negative four yards but still a timeshare. Still a timeshare indeed. Josh Jacobs also went off in this game. Um, very strange one. Very, very strange uh, game. It's, it's like the Broncos just like keep hanging on just a little bit here. But um, it's it's about enough with this team already. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's preview the Monday night game. The Dolphins are at the <laughs> Okay. The Dolphins are at the Saints. The Saints have a ton of COVID issues. Obviously, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. Both out, it will be Ian Book um, under center for New Orleans. But it's not just that. Ryan Ramchek also out and Demario Davis as well. So the defense yeah. and the O-line taking hits. Yeah, the total on this game is like 37 points. It's insane. Um, but Ian Book, well, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, the, the Saints tried to lure Drew Brees out of retirement. He texted him back just a picture of him, him golfing. I'm glad we... Uh, Thank you, Drew. Oh, no, Can we you didn't imagine the amount of like content takes we would like have to do to be like, well, is it possible? I don't know. Imagine like the all of the content that we had to, do, and I'm guilty of it, but all of the like, oh wow, Cam Newton back with the Panthers, like all of that we had to do. We do like turn the gas. Yeah, but up that was on exciting. That. <laughs> like that was exciting because there was like a redemption there. That was a like let's erase yeah. the Patriots experience but, and like l- give him a send off. I don't need to see Drew Brees but it's Drew and Brees. his plugs ever again. But it but it's Drew Brees. So like it turned we would have to turn the gas up on what we did with Cam sure. like to a hundred. But uh yeah. So glad we missed out on that. I am I mean look Ian Book like there's some people that just thought he like wasn't even draftable. But the 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 Sean Payton led Saints took him on in the fourth round so i mean we'll see what this guy has uh it's not a great ecosystem right there right now in new orleans and uh you know the dolphins defense played extremely well of late uh we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens uh with ian book there but um obviously most of the focus will be on the dolphins offense and how Tua responds to a matchup with the saints defense that obviously tomorrow davis is great you mentioned that like that's a crucial loss i think because he's just such a key to what they do but the secondary is healthy and playing well and the pass rush can like really get after you and out physical you. And and this is a team up front that can get whooped around in, uh, in Miami. Yeah. And you can see to, uh, um, I know, I think too, is still like playing with how aggressive he wants to be right. Like yes. sometimes he comes out too aggressive and, but I, I don't, I think he's still trying to find himself, frankly, since the hip injury, I don't think he knows who agree, he is yeah. yet. And I think the coaching staff in here working in concert. Um, so we'll see. I just have, I have a couple of Ian book nugs. I did the work. I'm going to oh. say them out loud. Um, 
In college, he left with a completion percentage under 64, 72 touchdowns versus 20 interceptions. He did run for just over 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns over four college seasons. So you have to, but he's only like 211 pounds though and six feet tall. So like not quite Taysom Hill, right? So you have to imagine though that that's where Sean Payton was um, seduced. Yes, I I would agree. Um, But yeah, I mean- It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see all the Ian book out there. All right. Well, as we probably should have said at the top of this preview, the Dolphins are going for their seventh consecutive win. Matt, since you are the DFS guru and you have won the challenge of all challenges, give us like two DFS nugs for this. Save your save your money competing in a different contest. All right, that's going to do it for us. If you want to keep the conversation going on Twitter, make sure to follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF and follow Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. While you're at it, go ahead and double check that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy for a different angle on Sunday's games. You can listen to Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab in the most recent episode of You Pod to win the game. Search for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure you come back tomorrow to this podcast. For the last pickups pod of the season with Andy Barons and Scott Pianowski, I can't wait to hear how resigned Scott is about some of these waiver wire ads. Until then, you're out.